today on CityCast Denver. Around the middle of December, Westward Culture editor Emily Ferguson started working on a story about the tattoo scene here in Denver. She had heard reports of feuds between tattoo artists and shops having rocks thrown through their windows. Emily started to dig in and called up a big name in Denver's tattoo community to get more insight, Alicia Cardenas. But by then, her story was about to transform into something she could have never anticipated. Emily's on the show today to give me the backstory and remember Alicia, who we lost in the December 27th shooting. And just a content warning, especially for folks who knew or were close to Alicia, you're going to hear her voice in this show from an interview Emily taped shortly before her death. Today is Tuesday, January 25th, 2022. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. I haven't been to Denver City Tattoo Club yet, but my tattoo artist went like started tattooing there. Oh, cool! A couple years ago, his name's Kevin Hennessy. Um, oh, I think I met him. He's a lovely yeah, person. He's, he's he seemed really really cool. I think he and Kim had actually been up like until midnight the night before tattooing each other, and they put <laughs> "Where's Waldo" on each other's like backs. <laughs> Yeah, it was amazing. It's like perfect because they each have like, are like fully covered. Emily Ferguson, welcome to CityCast Denver. Thank you. <laughs> so you just published this cover story for Westward about the tattoo community here in Denver, and you sort of track it through a big transition in the 90s up to the shooting a few weeks ago, which targeted a few important leaders in the community, including Alicia Cardenas, who you quote extensively in your story. Mm-hmm. That was something that struck me immediately in reading this. So can you, how did that happen? Well, so the way this story came together was very interesting and serendipitous, also serendipitous in terribly tragic ways. Um, But uh, I had gone in touch with Alicia for another story I was doing um, about Wolf Den, uh, which is another uh, shop that I talk about in the piece. And I was writing a piece on them because they were opening a gallery. They had mentioned, you know, how they had had rocks thrown in their window and things like that. I wanted to check in with some other shops to see if this really is kind of a thing that happens, like the grandfathering in of businesses and things like that. Like within and, the tattoo community, yeah. who, who can and can't open shops. Exactly. And... um the Soul Tribe was the first one that got back to me. Which is Alicia's shop. Which was Alicia's shop. So I ended up talking with her for a little over an hour. And uh, it was 12 days before before mm-hmm. uh, she was killed. And she actually gave the idea for this piece. Um, she had said, you know, like there's such a huge history here and things have changed so much. The reason why these things continue to go on and there's continues to be disruptions and dismiss disagreements and 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 not engaging with other studios is -hmm. because the young guys don't know their history and Mm -hmm. don't have respect for what happened before them and they make grandiose statements about who who we are or what things are without really fucking knowing so she was like it would be great to have kind of a history 
done on the tattoo industry here, especially there are so many iconic artists who have tattooed in Denver, who got their start in Denver. And so um, I was like, that would be awesome. Like, let's plan on that. We can meet in the new year. And then 12 days later, uh, she was shot. And then basically the piece kind of started coming together after that. Um, I wanted to talk to people who were in the industry back in like the 70s, um, days that Alicia had referenced to me that she didn't live through but had known about. Uh, also, like, get in with like the newer generation too. So, like, Wolf Den, Ryan Rose, who owns that, and how things have really progressed and changed and shifted. What it really came down to is having respect for the shops that were there before you. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee, even though they probably had some bad experiences, they haven't even had a bunch like the real bad experiences that a lot of us came from that mm-hmm. make us who we are today that they're not acknowledging. You know, there's a difference between being called a bad name and, you know, having somebody pull a gun on you and beat you up. I learned so much from this piece and I just, I didn't know Alicia personally, but I knew her. I mean, she was kind of legendary here. Like yeah. you said, she... She was really one of those pivotal figures in changing the industry in the 90s up through today. Mm -hmm. So before the shooting, you looked into some of the stuff that Alicia had sort of alluded to with this history. Mm -hmm. What was going on in the tattoo scene here in the 70s up through today? The first name that came out to me was Peter Poulos. He was an incredible tattooer. He revolutionized tattooing. He like started mixing colors when no one was mixing colors. People were like trying to get to know him so they could learn his tricks and things like that. And he really kind of fostered a very tight knit community. Um, and that being said, it also kind of came with a sort of darker side and almost mafia like mentality um, where other shops weren't really allowed to open up because that would mean they were taking business. And this is still when a lot of people who were the artists and the clientele were coming from a rougher background from like sailors, bikers, things like that. And what was expressed to me by a woman who worked for him, who's also a legend on her own, Kim Schaffer, she uh, had said that, you know, things kind of just got dark pretty quick. Uh, He ended up getting uh, shot and killed. And uh, after that, like leading into the 80s, there was a lot of the pipe bombing going on, like new shops would open, it'd be competitors, so they pipe bomb their shops. Um, One of the people I spoke to who also grew up in the industry uh, and his father owned Emporium Design was expressing how, you know, he and other kids who kind of like were growing up in it would like breed cockroaches and put them in other people's stores. And it was described as a prank. But um, but it was um, like learned behavior kind of from the adults yeah, in this situation exactly. too, which is like, I, I mean, you talked about people getting their hands broken so they couldn't tattoo mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. And the, I think one of the things that really illustrates like how that tattoo association was working and how close knit it was back then was they would tattoo a snake on your left hand. And that was a symbol that you were part of this association. As soon as you were marked, you were not allowed to leave. And anyone who left, like, faced the consequences, really. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. 
This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade, hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. So in the 90s, things started Mm -hmm. to change, Um, and Alicia was a really big part of that Mm -hmm. can you talk about what you learned from her about that shift or or what what changed yeah I think mainly in the 90s it was already kind of coming out of the AIDS epidemic you know where you know people started freaking out about you know these bloodborne diseases and stuff so Alicia and also the National Tattoo Association which was help founded by Peter Poulos as well. They really helped create a bunch of regulations and safety protocols and things like that around tattooing. But I also think that what people also need to know is that those days, those days that we've been working out of those days for a really long time. I have been building my tattoo shop vision since day one, 97, about making a space that was more inclusive and more um, uh, friendly to more different walks of life, queer community, you know, taking mm-hmm. it out of the biker prisoner sort of realm and getting it into a place where anybody who wanted to could walk in and get a good tattoo and feel comfortable. And so as the clientele got bigger, Alicia was saying how the shops started expanding more. And it I think it kind of got to a point where there were so many more shops opening up. There was still like some rough and tumble stuff going on, but not to the point where you could just pipe bomb every single store, you yeah. know, or hammer every tattoo artist's hands. So I think that uh, things really shifted with the boom of clientele. Also, Alicia in particular really wanted to honor the roots of tattooing uh, that were kind of ignored in, in indigenous heritage and um, indigenous cultures. And that wasn't something that was really being explored in the United States. And also, I think the artwork changed a lot as well. Um, Alicia was saying like that she wanted to open a shop and as did, like many others at the time where there was no flash on the walls. You can flash just is like in. the pre-drawn. Yeah. You walk like, into a tattoo shop and say, I want a rose. Yeah, exactly. On the wall. Yeah. That's and it's flash. on the wall and like you can just pick it out. They'll trace it and then put it on your body and then that's that. We decided that we were going to do more custom tattoos and we were going to draw things for people. We were going to be real artists and not installation guys. And so in the late 90s, we decided that we were going to do shops with no flash on the walls. We were going to take it into this new artsy realm. And I think that also made people see tattooing as a more legitimate art form as well, because it is definitely seen as one now, I'd say. So there were these kind of two competing or different cultures happening within the same industry at this point. Then Mm -hmm. there was these new sort of spiritually or culturally rooted Mm -hmm. 
um, or as well as art, sort of the new school of artists who just wanted to make their own, as well as these sort of like older, like this biker gangster. Yeah. <laughs> what was the relationship like between those two? It depends on who you talk to. I mean, for Alicia, she called them the good old boy shops, the more uh, masculine, misogynist, uh, still kind of rooted in the sort of biker past. She said that they're still necessary, too, because to be fully inclusive, that those environments are still needed for some people who want to get tattoos. And if you don't want to interact with those shops, you don't have to, you know, you and, go somewhere else. Yeah. And like you, you may get some like mean words from people or you like, you know, competing shops or things like that. But it, she had said it's just come such a far way from how it was, you know, at least it's like people are just saying bad things to each other instead of physically instead of yeah, shooting like, out someone's yeah, windows. Exactly. Or- to me, yes, go for it. Keep taking it further. Like, yes, of course, make it more inclusive. Do all the things. But know where you came from. Yeah. Know where you stand in the city. Know who's standing next to you. Know who's down the block from you. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a good old boys club. But you know what? Magic happens in their studios, too. So I, I, unfortunately, this kind of then ties into the shooting because we lost Alicia mm-hmm. along with several other folks who were targeted in particular because of their ties to the tattoo community. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk about those connections the shooter had to some of the folks? Yeah. So I think a good amount of it is still pretty unknown. One of the people I interviewed, Ryan Rose, who owns... Uh, Wolf Den, they had told me that uh, they used to work for Lyndon uh, McLeod, the the shooter. And they said that when uh, they went in to meet him, they had said, you know, I met with Alicia and he uh, kind of spoke volatilely about her. Um, He already did not like her. I think there were some conflicting business issues and after his shop all heart industries closed alicia had briefly expanded soul tribe into there which is my understanding and i'm sure that kind of pushed him over the edge even though it was his fault he lost his shop he didn't renew his licensing and things like that but he didn't do the basics to run the shop and she just was running her business yeah exactly But when it came to Ryan, uh, that same day, December 27th, they were out of town and actually got a notification that the alarm went off at their shop. And um, uh, they don't have any proof, you know, but Lyndon had tried calling the shop multiple times that day and their window was shot through. So it's to be assumed that there would be more victims if if they hadn't know. been out of town. Mm-hmm. We all are a little bit of a mess for how we came into this industry. Many women were sexually aggressive, sexually exploited, um, even raped in this tattoo industry. And that's mm-hmm. not just uh, Denver. That's the entire industry, yes. you know. But, you know, we're here now and we're doing the work. And, you know, it's very important for us to acknowledge that there is people who pave that way. And since the tattoo community doesn't really get a lot of coverage, like, say, Hollywood or like, you know, other like big business industries when it comes to behaviors like that, 
it's a little important to highlight for them, especially in light of what happened. And I don't think it's reflective of where the tattoo community is at. But I, I think what is reflective is how they have come together with these benefits and things like that for people and have wanted to address their history. Yeah, I kind of sense that underlying aspect of this conversation as other tattoo shops were starting to do fundraisers and things that were like, we can come together. And it was like, mm. oh, this is because there was a lot of animosity sometimes between other shops. Yeah. I had no, I mean, I've been tattooed quite a bit and I had no idea of this culture. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. I think, yeah, it's like almost like an unspoken thing. And that's how it was back in the 70s. You know, it, like people were extremely tight knit. You know, it was a very family atmosphere, however dysfunctional, you know. Sure. <laughs> and I think that's also how it still is now. Like, it's like, I heard from so many people, it's like, yeah, like, we can, we hate each other, but we're going to be there for each other. Like, yeah. Alicia had told me in our interview that she's like, you know, yeah, there are these, like, the good old boy shops with the misogynist owners or, like, goofballs, she called them, and things like that. But she's like, I know that if I called them, that they would be there for me at the drop of a dime. So even if there is, like, a competitive aspect and things like that, they all still will take care of each yeah, other. Yeah, take care of each other, you know. And the only way that we're going to break through some of these apprenticeship things and molds and models is by doing it. Not fucking talking about it and by doing this, we're like, I'm paying my apprentice to do art. I'm paying them to follow me around every day. I'm paying them to fucking, you know, be treated well and figure out how do you gain loyalty without hazing people? How do you get those 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 values without abusing people? If somebody hasn't sat down and put pen to paper about it and like really, really thought it through, then maybe they're just doing their own little version of, of, of something that isn't completely been thought out or healed yet, you know? Yeah. Emily Ferguson, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us, rate the show wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.